So anyways, this morning, if you have your Bibles, we're going to start Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, which was read for us this morning. Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for our time. And we praise you that we, we have such a gracious, gracious and merciful God. Look upon us. Look upon our frailty and our weakness. Look upon us and have mercy. You who are holy and awesome in all your ways, yet loving and kind and gentle and patient, full of mercy and long-suffering. You who gave us your only begotten Son, that we should not perish but have everlasting life. If only we would believe. This truly is amazingly good news. And we thank you for it. I ask, Lord, this morning that we would know your love and that we desire and hunger to love. Thank you for hearing us now because we're in Christ. Amen. Well, this morning, uh, before I get into the heart of the message, I, I need to say something up front in order for us to understand the context in which I say what I'm about to say. Because... If I get into the how-tos and the what-fors and all the details of what I'm going to get into, I'm going to talk about loving your neighbor. One of the things I do not want you to hear this morning is, is some, some more stuff that you have to do that you really don't want to do. Or, boy, Dean, you're just, man, this puts a lot of pressure on me. And it's not like that at all because what, I want, what, I, what we need to understand is that at the foundation of all of this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It, it, it is our strength, it's our source of life, from it and through it is, is how we minister to other people and why we minister to other people. Because until we know, until we know that we're loved, accepted, and brought into fellowship with God, because of nothing we've done, but because of everything Christ has done, we will not no love. We will not have love. We will, there will not be a love for others. And let me explain this a little bit further. Because when we understand, when I understand that I was in love with myself, I was doing my own thing, I was not thanking God, and I certainly was not desiring anything from God other than His blessings. And yet, while I was doing this, God loved me, and he gave himself for me. He loved me when I hated him. He gave to me when I was taking from him. He made me righteous when I was completely unrighteous. He loved me, forgave me, served me, uh, died for me, put his righteousness on me, and withheld none of his, none of his goodness for me. Now, when that love hit me, when I was hit by that love and I come to understand that love, it completely overwhelmed me and made me want to love others the way I'd been loved. It gave me a desire to reach out, a desire to love in the same way. So when it comes down to it, there is no other motivation for reaching out to others in love than the fact that we've been loved. Love was demonstrated to us. We have been loved, and therefore, we desire to love. 
This is why it's always true that if we're having troubles loving, then we're having troubles understanding how much God has loved us. Because remember, we love because he first loved us. So hopefully you can see that once this gospel settles down into your heart, then you can eagerly begin to ask, how do I go about loving the people around me? Where do I start? The heart, the desire of the heart is to love. Because that's the whole idea. When God loves, it just doesn't rest there. He doesn't, oh man, I can't believe how much he loved me. The immediate desire is to love in the way you've been loved. Now, the reason I say this all up front is because I do not want you to hear this morning something you need to do to somehow earn something with God or to somehow become a better person. This is not going to make you a better person. Nor is this to pacify me, the preacher, to somehow um, think, well, maybe if I do something, I can at least or even pacify your own conscience, right? What I'm about to say, I do not say for my own good or for the church's growth whatsoever. I'm saying this to you who love the Lord and who love your neighbor, and you want some ideas and some practical ways of moving forward in this. However, if the gospel has not taken root in your heart, and if the gospel has not affected you in such a way that you look around to the people of interest, uh, people around you and you're not, don't, not terribly interested in reaching out to the people around you, then it, this is what you have to do. You just don't start reaching out to people around you. What you have to do is you have to get before God and you have to, you have to come to understand what he has done for you in Christ. Because not until you know how much he loves you, and not until, here's the other thing, not until how much you, you know that you don't deserve that love, will you want to love. It's only when you know the, the love of God in Christ Jesus for you that you will say, man, um, how can I serve? How can I help? What can I do? I'm looking to love. But until that happens, there's no, no sense to going out thinking that if I just go around and start doing all these things that somehow, um, you know, then, then my heart's going to be filled with love. There, there, is, there is some effect in that. But in reality, if your heart is dead and cold and you do not want to love your neighbor, then what has to happen first is you have to come to know the love of God for you in Christ Jesus. And once that begins to overwhelm you, I guarantee you, you're saying, hey, what do I need? To, what, what can I do? Let's get going. Let's, let's serve. Let's reach it. Let's reach the world. I want to tell, I want everybody here. I want everybody in this neighborhood. I want them all to know Jesus. I want them all to know the love of God in Christ Jesus because it's so good. That has to be our attitude. That, that's, has to be how we approach this whole subject. You know, one of the things I realized, here's something else I, I want to accomplish in this particular message, is that uh, when I said in past messages that the, the three things Christ did is that Jesus ministered to the needs of the people around him. You remember that? And then what he did is he observed those who responded to him. And then he, and through conversation and proclamation, declared the gospel to them. Sometimes in that, what I thought of is that, man, that I want to, but... That's just such a huge step for me. 
like ministering to the needs of the people around me is like, man, that, where do I start? How, are there some baby steps like to get me going here? Because I really don't know how to get to that place of ministering to the needs of the people around me. And it just seems to overwhelm me and I feel paralyzed sometimes. Well, this morning we're going to look at, we're going to back up on that and say, yeah, here's some, here's some baby steps you can take, real small steps to get moving in this direction. And, and the first thing I want us to look at is this, that loving your neighbor begins, here's the first baby step, it begins by demonstrating warmth and interest. If you look at Matthew 5, verses 46 and 47, it says, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same? Jesus hits things pretty low level here. He tries to expose how shallow our love actually is at times. Because we can often think that we are loving when we, are have, we have great loving feelings towards those who love us. Or when we find ourselves outgoing with those we're very comfortable with. In the particular context here, he knows that the Pharisees and the, and the scribes and, and so, much, so many of the Jews were very, uh, very comfortable with their own. And, and they thought that they were very loving because of the way they treated each other, but they were very unloving to the people that they were outside of their circles. And so Jesus is basically saying to them, you're, you're no different than them. They do that in their circles. And their tight little circles where, you know, the Gentiles and tax collectors, the people who love them, the people that they know, they greet one another also. And they, they love each other also. You're no different than them by the way you act. Another thing we have to understand is how low level and basic that Jesus talks here. He's talking here about greeting. Did you notice that? He says, if you say hi, if you say hi to those that you already know and you don't say hi to those that you don't know, you're no different than the Gentiles. Wow, that's he's talking about love here, and he's down in the nitty-gritty details of being warm and engaging and interested in people and the little level of acknowledging them and saying hi to them. I find that pretty interesting. And when it comes to loving others, the fact is, you and I are never going to minister to the needs of our neighbors if we never have said hi to them before. We're, we're in a culture, we live in a day and age where this is highly applicable because how many people do you walk by the street and, and say hi to? About that many? That's about how many I do too. This is the kind of culture we live in, right? We, we get, we're in a habit, especially in big cities like we live in, of constantly driving by people, walking by people, minding your own business. And, and I think the, the Pacific Northwest is actually more extreme than most areas because if you ever want to do something really weird, uh, just walk by someone on the street and say, hi. <laughs> I've done it before. <laughs> and it's like, you, you don't do that. You don't, that's weird. And I don't know if you've ever tried it around here, but it's, it's kind of not the thing to do. You, you don't do that. However, I have done a few experiments, actually. 
just in terms of like trying to think about this, how can we be warm and interested and engaged with others without being weird? Like, why is, why is our culture so isolated like this? Like, just don't talk to me. Like, my, could you please mind your own business? <laughs> That's why I have a garage. I can drive into it, shut the door, go to my house and not see anybody. And we just, we get so used to living our lives like this. It's like, just think about it. You think about your neighbors and the people you you pass by on a continual basis. How many times do you acknowledge people, show, show warmth and interest towards them? A lot of times. You just get used to not doing it. I, one of the things that I noticed does work, though, and here's the thing. You can be warm and interested in people and not weird. I have actually, uh, and I and this is probably by mistake, have started to discover something that work, works and it's effective because it, it shows warmth, it shows interest, but it doesn't weird them out. And I get, I get a response back. Uh, I've went into the grocery store and just walked around almost every person and I have like, if I can catch their eyes, I just lift my countenance like I've got brighter eyes and have like a little grin on and, and I give them a nod. Just, and you know what? That's, that's cool. That's totally okay. If, if I, if my countenance is bright and I engage them and, and I, and I just in a friendly way not, I usually get the same response back. I see, I wa- actually watch their eyes lighten up and they respond back in the same way. And, and for some reason that's very effective here. And people, and I can almost tell sometimes like, wow, that, that actually had an impact in their life because I could tell the way it almost lifted their countenance. They were kind of focused and stared, didn't expect somebody to acknowledge them, and you give them just, just a little the head nod, and, and they give it back, and their countenance lifts. And I think, you know what, that's something that we, we cannot overlook, the small step, the importance of doing this with the people around us. How, how easy is it to just be so focused to be so about our agenda, to be so about what it is we're doing that we just blast by people all the time. You know, that's, that's strangers. Now even move that into your, your neighborhoods and stuff. Like in your neighbor, now you can step it up a level because when you drive down your neighborhood and you know the, you kind of know these people, a wave's acceptable. Wave. Do these things. Like Jesus is saying, like, how different are you? Look at what he says in the text. I, I, I kind of find this fascinating. Don't you? Like, so low level. If you just greet those who greet you, you're no different than, than, the, than the Gentiles and unbelieving world. He says, just, here's a low level thing that's like, you, you need to understand that when love in the details and the cracks down at the very basic baby step level is just starting to like engage and show interest and warmth in people. If somebody shows interest and warmth towards you, you kind of have a tendency to feel like you reciprocate. If someone's nice and kind and generous and gracious towards you, you, you have a, a feeling and a sense of wanting to reciprocate. And so this is what we have to understand, that we live, we live in a world that's fundamentally self-absorbed. It's interested in one thing, its own success, fulfillment, pleasure, power, and love. It wants everything in one direction toward itself. Now, this, is, this, is this, this has been man's problem from the very beginning. And this is even why Jesus is addressing here in Matthew, in Matthew 5, is that self-interest... Uh, Self-protection, self-preservation. Just look at what we typically do. 
If you find if we're outward oriented or inward oriented, if you go into a crowd of people and you and you see someone you know, who do you grab? We gravitate towards the people we know, right? That's comfortable. That's safe because what we're looking for is comfortability. We're looking for safety. We're looking we're looking for security, and usually it usually exposes us. We're a little insecure. We're we're a little needy, and we're we're people who are like. What we really need, though, is we, we need to have this settled down, this whole security issue settled down. But it's not often that we go into, let's say we went into a crowd, and I don't know you, that we think, oh, great, people. And and we go up and say, hi, my name's Dean, and, and, and we reach out to them. We head towards them, show any kind of warmth or interest toward them. Because typically we're operating in our own insecurities and in our, in our, in our own flesh and not out of love. And again, here's a, here's a problem. It gets back to what I stated at the beginning. If there's a problem in that area with us, in our hearts toward other people, it's, it's because the God, we have not found the security and the love and the acceptance that is in Christ Jesus. We're, our hearts, our souls are still wanting. We're, we're looking to find in others and other people what we can only truly find in Christ. Because the only time you're going to have your that acceptance taken care of, that love taken care of, that security taken care of, is when you know with certainty, you know with certainty that God loves me, accepts me, and has given himself for me. And that allows you to forget yourself because you're filled and now reach out to others. And so if you want to know a baby step, what's the first thing you can do? Just start showing warmth and interest towards others. And, and find ways of acknowledging them. Acknowledge your neighbor. Wave. Say hi. And if the hi is weird, give the nod. Smile face. Show them and let people know around you that you, I like you. And, uh, and, and, and fl- from me flows love. Now, because otherwise what you get a sense of what nothing flows from you, but what flows from you is the vibe that you love yourself. Because you can tell people who love themselves, they're into themselves. You can tell people who love others because they, they step out towards others. And so the first baby step is just right down there at the level of greetings, the level of interest and showing warmth towards people. This is why we like our dogs so much. It's really good at greeting. It's really good at showing interest. It's really good at demonstrating love. Maybe you don't like dogs, you like cats, I don't know. They're usually not so good at that. (laughs) Some cats, maybe some cats. (laughs) But here's the next step that we can think about. First step is warmth and interest. The second one is that loving your neighbor entails taking an an actual step toward them. Not just showing interest and warmth, but taking a step toward them. And what I mean by this is is actually doing something, no matter how small, for them, is something you need to start thinking about. In our passage in Matthew 5, before Jesus gives the example of greeting others, he said this, if you move back a few verses. He says, you've heard that it said, actually verse 43, you've heard that it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, does the Bible say that? No. You've heard it said, you know why they heard that said? Is because that's what start, that culturally started to develop in Israel. That's what they believed. And that's what's being taught. You love, you, you, you love your neighbor, 
but you, you're to hate your enemy. And Jesus is like, no, that's all wrong and backwards. He says, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same. So Jesus here is showing the broader context of what it means to love. You know, I approached this passage in a backwards fashion. I started at the end of the passage and I moved um, move backwards, because what I'm trying to show you are baby steps. Jesus did the exact opposite, because he wasn't trying to show you steps in terms of loving others. He wants, he wanted to, his goal was to show you the broad scope of what it means to love others. It means everything, all the way down at this low level of greeting, and all the way up to loving your enemies, and everything in between. When you love others, it encompasses it at all, it all. And that was his point. That's what he's trying to, point he's trying to make. Jesus was going from the larger, more difficult aspects of love, like loving your enemies, to the smaller, more mundane aspects of love, like greeting people. So anyways, but I'm here, different, different objective, the same truth, is that I want to show us how, you know, in here we also see baby steps of what even love looks like and how do we get loving our neighbor. Because, you know, loving your neighbor isn't simply minding your own business and going about your duties or just being nice or just greeting them, showing warmth and interest. It means actually taking steps toward them to show that you care about them. In the text, it says that God causes the sun to shine on the evil and the good, and he causes his rain to come upon the just and the unjust. He is showing that he doesn't distinguish his loving. God doesn't send personal clouds on those he loves. There's your rain, and there's your little pockets of sunshine, and then forget the rest, because you guys are so unloving, but these people are loving, so I'm going to give it to those. Like Jesus saying, look at the Father. He doesn't distinguish. He sends rain on on the just and the unjust. He sends his son on the evil and on the good, and he doesn't distinguish between either of them. What's... What's significant about this is that what God is typical of God, and we see this not just in those two examples, but in a thousand others. Jesus could have went on all day long about showing all the ways that God loves you through creation, and he doesn't distinguish. He, he, you know, you, let's say you love me over here and you guys absolutely hated me. You know, well, the love of, of the Father is like, it doesn't matter whether you love me or hate me. I'm going to love you both. I'm going to reach out to you in love. And you can only do that if you've been loved. You have to have been loved in that kind of way. Because when I hated God, He loved me. When I was running from Him, He ran toward me. When I was completely unrighteous, He gave me His righteousness. So when I know how I've been loved, understanding who I am and what I'm like, and yet He loves me, when I get that, then I, then I'm, at that point, then I can go and love those who don't love me. I can be more like Him because of how I've been loved. You know, when we are neighbors, might not always be people that we dig. They they are not always the nicest people. Um, you, as you know, if you were to even go around your neighborhood or your coworkers, you could say, "Decent person, pretty good person, 
Woohoo! Um, crazy, uh, not so much over here. And we all can do that because, and typically it's the way they act and treat other people, including yourself. And you, people who are, that we really start liking are those who know how to like and love the people around them. Those we don't are really self, usually self-absorbed in some way or another. And they they become so self-absorbed that they're actually strange. And then we want to distance ourselves from them. But the thing is, what, what the text shows us is Jesus saying, you know, don't love like this because this is a love contrary to God's love. It doesn't discriminate. God doesn't, is not about discriminating between the good and the bad, the just, the unjust, the righteous, and the evil. No, he says he loves them all. And he gives, the, he gives them gifts. In like manner, we should reflect that. But again, you won't reflect it until you know that love. You know, love actually does kind and generous things like holds doors. It picks up dropped items for people. It encourages others. It praises others. It cooks a meal. And it looks for ways to help. It looks for ways to serve. It looks for ways to bless. It looks for ways to give. So when you look at the people around you, what love does is it looks in a, looks for ways to bless them. Now think of God, what he's doing in giving the sun and the rain and the, and the food and the health and the strength and all the, the little hundred million gifts he gives people. He, he's a giver of good things. Giver of good gifts. And now those who reflect him are those who are givers of good things. Now just think of that for a moment. What's your reputation like? Do your neighbors know you as the giver of good things? The one who doesn't discriminate, just loves to give and to bless and to serve? Is that the mark of your family? Is that the mark of your home? Is that the mark of your life? I mean, that's, that's really a good question. And then, and then I'll say, let's just be honest and say, it's not. It's not the mark of my life. It's not the mark of my home. It's not the mark of my pattern of life. And often that comes down to our understanding of the gospel. It's like me, I need to reflect and think about this for a moment because if I, I look at who I am and what I'm like and, and if I honestly know who I am and what I'm like and yet in spite of that, God loved me and gave his son for me and as I come to understand more deeply the fact that God loves me, it affects me so much so that I want to do that for others. I want to be like that. So there, it, it, you know, the other thing to think about is when it comes to this, if you want a really practical, easy stuff to do, think of all the little tangible ways you can touch someone's life. Take a step toward them. You know, you, you're driving through your neighborhood, and instead of when you see someone struggling, even you could see this, there's maybe a mother with some kids, and she's got some groceries, and you see there's a bunch of others remaining. You could even stop the vehicle, jump out, and say, hey, guys, let's go help them out, and go grab their groceries and, and say, hey, can we help you guys? It looks like she's struggling. You know, something like that. Or if you see someone with their with their uh, hood open and they're working on their car, that's that could be an opportunity to say, "Do you need any help?" Even though you, maybe you don't know anything about, uh, and then that could be a joke. So I don't know anything, but I could call for you, or I could, uh, if there's anything I could do, I would. Just letting people know, taking a step toward them, that you you're interested in them and you like them, would love to help them in any way. Is huge. That's a great first step. You know, this time of year presents all kinds of opportunities. 
because it, people at this time of year are more into gift giving and stuff. And this is a great time. If you love to bake, bake something and send it around your neighborhood. It, maybe a little, your kids can make little things and put them together in a, a little gift bag and send them out to the neighborhood. It's a great time of year to make touches on people's lives. Just take a step towards them and just do something that's like, they did nothing to earn this. They didn't do anything to you and for you, and that always rocks the world's mind. That's not how I function. It's not how the people in my community function. We just don't do things for people who don't really... There's no familial connection or, or like obligation or some, some kind of expectation there. No expectation. In fact, I don't know you that well, but you're doing something for me. That always just, they're, they're getting their first whack, probably not their first, but it is a whack of the gospel is what it's like. God being loving and kind towards those who don't deserve it. So just take a step toward those, um, who, live around you and take some practical step. And you guys can think even as a family, is there any way we could take a step towards our neighbors that we could, we could reflect and demonstrate the way in which we've been loved by God? Just take a, a little and do a, something little or small and take some kind of step toward them. Anyway, and, uh, you know, here, here's something else to think about. Sometimes life will present opportunities and you miss them. Let's just say a neighbor came to your house and said, hey, uh, we're missing our dog and we haven't seen them and we're just going around trying to find out, see if anybody has seen the dog or anything like that. And instead of saying, no, I haven't, oh, so sorry, say, hey, you know what? How about, can we come and help you look for the dog? You see, there's an opera, they're in need and they're, they're, they could obviously use help and most people wouldn't even think to do that. And so you could take that opportunity to step in there and, and help them and show them some love. And so it doesn't, it, it doesn't really matter what it is. The most important thing is that you're interested and you take a step towards people. So that's, that, that's kind of baby step number two. Whatever it is, or small, take a step toward people. The third thing I want us to look at is that going the next step. So after you've been warm and shown interest and you've taken steps towards people, the, the third thing gets towards to where we were talking at the beginning stages before. Look for needs and minister to them. Loving your neighbor progresses to doing thoughtful things for them. Uh, in 1 John three sixteen through 18, it says, By this we know love, and we looked at this a couple weeks ago, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Do you see the connection there? Now, now this is love. He laid down his life for us. It just doesn't end there. And, and now, as a result of that, the people who know they've been loved like this and know that he laid down his life for them, he then says... Now lay down your life for your brothers. So in response to how you've been loved, love. You've been given and sacrificed for, so you give and sacrifice for others. It says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So here the exhortation is, let us love as we've been loved. This is what I've been saying, right? And this is the manifestation that you know this love is reflected in how you love. You know, love, and this is something you have to, 
understand here, love takes action. It does, right? Love, don't just love in word or in talk, it says, but in deed and in truth. Actually do something. If you have the world's goods and you see a need, what do they say? You have it, they have a need. He says, minister to the need. And now here's something that's not going to happen. Like you have to do steps one and two that we just looked at. Because uh, one of the things, if I say minister to the needs of the people around you, well, you will never know needs their needs until you've shown warmth and interest and you've taken steps toward them and you start to build a little bit of a relationship. Because a lot of people's needs are unknown to us. And we can't minister to them if we don't know them. So knowing them is fundamental. And that's why you've got to go all the way back to say, just start being friendly Just start showing warmth and interest towards people. Just start taking steps toward them. And then what will start to happen is you will begin to see all of us have needs, right? We all have needs and things that we could use and uh, we could always use a helping hand and there's always this or that, but we nobody knows about it until they get close enough. So those other steps are vitally important. You know, I want to share a story with you about a girl named Nicole. She was 11, now hear this, this girl Nicole is 11 years old, 11. And listen to how she stepped up and loved her neighbor uh, once she saw a need. It says, a few years, years ago, Nicole's family made a commitment to reach out to their neighbor's neighbor across the street. The family across the street consisted of a recently divorced mom and seven foster kids. Ouch. To say that their life was chaotic would be a massive understatement. As they began to engage this family and learn about the complexity of their household, it began to feel overwhelming. And most of us might think, man, do not even want to get close to that one. Like, stay, there's this way too much need. You just kind of want to stay far away. But that's not what God does with us. That's not how he loved us. So this is what happened. Eventually, they had a breakthrough. Nicole, that 11-year-old, noticed that two of their elementary age kids were struggling in school. She, she mentioned to her mom that she would be willing to help them with their schoolwork a couple times a week. So Nicole began tutoring the two kids. She knew she had something to offer, so she simply showed up at their house on Tuesdays and Thursdays to help. Not only is she serving these kids in a significant way, she's also serving their mom, who has expressed how grateful she is for the role Nicole is playing in the lives of her kids. Now, that's all that was told about the story. We don't know how it all unfolds or where it goes from there. But I thought, wow, isn't that amazing? How an 11-year-old was able to look get to know a family, see a need, see in a way that she could help, and say, hey, mom, you know what I like to do? I like to tutor these kids. This is fabulous. I read that and thought, man, that's how it should work. That's what it should be like. We should get step into people's worlds enough to know and to see that there's needs. And even our kids, 11-year-old, I think you, you could have a 7, 8, 9-year-old that says, hey, why don't we do this? Or, why, you know, why don't we do that? And come up with ideas. Because... I think sometimes even kids are more creative and clever than we are to think about the things they can do. And it, it also is so encouraging about this as a great example of how a family, as a family, can minister and serve and love their neighbors. But, and just importantly, 
how as parents we can disciple and train our own children and what it means to love your neighbor. I think I read this, I thought as a family, doing this as a family, it's so beautiful. Not just, you know, some one person in the family, like the dad or mom or whoever, doing something nice for the neighbor, but the family being engaged with other families and looking for ways that they could step up and help. It's an amazing picture. You know, I think that we have to get to know people well enough before we're ever going to even see a need like this. And as I, as I said earlier, or just before this point, it won't be until we actually take some steps toward people, like showing warmth, showing interest is, is the first engagement, and then actually doing something for them. And then we find out more about them and their needs, and then we could actually address them. So that we don't just love them and say, oh, I love my neighbors because I have a warm feeling in my heart. Oh, I love my neighbors and I would sure like to help them, but I just, I can't. Or whatever we say to ourselves, loving our neighbors is something that like, don't just love them in word and talk, it says, as, as John said. He says, love, love them in deed and in truth. Actually, if you have goods and they have need, minister to them. And in, in doing that, you're reflecting how you've been loved and it has nothing to do with whether they deserve it or not. And then, and when that starts happening, it, you can really begin to see that it, it has an incredible impact in people's lives. Because before they even hear about the gospel, they experience it. What it's like to be loved on a small level, yet yeah, it's, not, it's not as glorious and good as the gospel, but it's on a small microscopic level. It demonstrates that people love you and you've done nothing to earn or deserve that love. Let me ask you, what would it look like if you actively love the people God has placed in your lives, use your imagination for a moment. What do you see yourself doing? If you loved the people, your coworkers and neighbors and the people God has placed around you, what would that love look like? You know, it's interesting if you do that little experiment in your head and you envision yourself doing something, maybe envision yourself baking something or fixing something or raking something, or you, you typically you will imagine, your imagination will go in the direction of your gifts or in the direction of how God has put you together. Different things that you can do. You know, when the church actually does this and we as people move forward and extend the gospel like this through tangible deeds to the people around us, it has a tremendous impact. I was reading something this week about the early church and its impact on the world. And I found this quote is fascinating. It's, it's from Julian. Julian, who is the last emperor of Rome before... Constantine, and, and, and he's describing what's happening, the Christians, how the Christians are reaching out in love to their neighbors. But he's not, the quote, it's interesting about it, it's not in a positive light. He's not saying, oh, they're so marvelous and wonderful. He doesn't like this. And, and listen to this quote, it's quite fascinating. It says, these impious Galileans, and the, he calls them Galileans because they're people who followed Jesus the Galilean. And so he calls them the impious Galileans. They not only feed their own, but ours also, welcoming them with their agape. They attract them as children are attracted with cakes, whilst the pagan priests neglect the poor. 
The hated Galileans devote themselves to works of charity and by a display of false compassion have established and given effect to to their pernicious errors. Such practice is common among them and causes contempt for our gods. End quote. (laughs) Isn't that marvelous? That was their reputation. And it was all negative. But for us to hear that, all positive. How glorious is that? Julian's dying words in AD 363 were, Visiti Galilee, which means you Galileans have conquered. Now that's power. And that is what God has called us to be and do because that is what God has done for us. He loves those who are unlovely. He reaches to those. He reaches to us. Us who do not deserve it. And it's the basis for all that we do. God loving us so we love others. So if I were to ask you this morning, here's, here's what this all rests on right here, answering this question. How much do you believe that God loves you? Now, in the privacy of your own heart and your mind, when you think of God and your relationship to him, when you think of his affection toward you, how much do you believe he loves you? Kind of? A little bit? I'd like to think a lot. You know, that's something I struggle with. Where are you at with that question? Are you able to say from the bottom of your heart, I believe he loves me more deeply than anyone or anything could ever love me? And, and you honestly believe that. You could say, in fact, he loves me more than I am even, even able to understand or comprehend. If that is what you believe about God's love toward you, I guarantee you, your heart and your desire is to love others if you've been loved. Here's the other factor. Think, I want to ask you this. So some people really, they get the one side. They say, yeah, God loves me, and I believe he loves me. And they believe this because they think they're so lovable. Because the other side of the factor is this. Here's the next question you have to ask. How worthy of love are you? Now, if you, if, in answering that question, you go, oh, you know, I'm not that bad of a person. Or you say, you know, yeah, pretty bad. Or if you say, you know, I can't even believe. I cannot believe that God could love a wretch like me. If you knew me, if you knew my pride, if you knew my selfishness, if you knew my self-interest, if you knew you knew my lusts and my passions, if you knew my frailties and my weakness, if you knew me, and if you knew me like God knows me, it just doesn't make sense that he would love me. If you under this is this is the other part of it, because this is what makes you terribly compassionate and able to love those who are unlovely and love as you've been loved. It's not just knowing and understanding God's love, knowing and understanding yourself and how and how much you don't deserve that love. But He's loved you anyways. When those come together, when you see how much He's loved you and how much you don't deserve it, and you believe that, that love fills your heart and you're like, man, I want to love. And so that you hear a message like this this morning, and it's not burden. It's not like, oh, great, he's got more stuff for us to do. Um, wants us to get out there and do something. It's, no, man, just thank you. I just, I want to love, and sometimes I just don't even know what the first steps are. I really want to reach out to people, but I don't want to be a weirdo. 
I really want to, I really want to have an impact and I don't know where to start. Now that's a beautiful place to be. And that's what I hope when you hear this message this morning, in no way want you to hear some things you need to do to please God. Some things, if you do this, God will really love you. Are you kidding me? No. He loves you in spite of any of this. This does not change his love toward you in Christ Jesus. He loves you. I love how Tim Keller likes to put it a lot of times. You don't understand the gospel if you think that, you know, you're saved if you believe and obey and then you're saved. He says, no, it doesn't work like that. You believe and are saved and therefore you obey. And so many people confuse that. They think that if they believe and if they add to that believing, they're obeying and they do this stuff and they love their neighbor, then God, then God will really accept them because that's how we're kind of hardwired, isn't it? How could God love me when I'm so unlovely? It's because God is love. And that's, that's a, that takes our, we have to work the gospel into our souls over our whole lives because it's, we have such a hard time with these concepts. We like to think that we believe and then we obey and we're saved. And it's because of like the things that we're doing have something to do with it. It's, it's really hard to realize, no, it has nothing to do with it. It's all because of what Christ did. I believe and because of I believe in the Lord Jesus and because of what Jesus did, I'm saved fully and completely. And therefore, because of, because I'm saved, because I'm loved, I obey. That order is pivotal. And it's very often confused, especially by church people. Because it doesn't take long to start muddling the gospel like that. And especially when you hear, you could hear a sermon like this and think, okay, now I know what I need to do to go please God. Wrong. You go and do this because you have been loved in crazy way. And now you want to love. And so hopefully this gives you some practical steps of like, how do I make baby steps? That's kind of how. And I don't know how, how to make it more simple and more basic than just taking these, showing warmth and interest towards people, take a step towards them by doing something nice, and then find a need that you could actually serve and meet and minister to it. You do that, and God will start doing some amazing things in and through your life. Amen.